1: Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth.
0: Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. Welcome to the visual workplace. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, to embed our intelligence into the physical work environment by inventing visual devices. Why? And by following a a visual methodology as well. So part of it is implementing a methodology that's very linear, very much a protocol, very much a step-by-step. But the other part of it is to create devices that address our information deficits, however complex they may be, however recurrent or non-recurrent, unique they may be, We create this environment that both shows a base, a foundation of methodology so that we have a certain predictable functionality, performance improvement, but also has the flights of fancy, the flights of imagination, the flights of uh, weirdness, as I like to say it. Okay, so we want a physical, visual environment that doesn't look like vanilla, that doesn't look like something that just got... Cookie cut out of some Costco big box um, shopping cart. I was in Costco uh, this weekend, and I'll tell you, it was a trip. It was like going to a museum or, you know, an, a, a country fair or some unusual place on the planet. So we don't want Costco type visual devices. Big box, push everything together, make it all kind of uniform. We want precise inventions, devices that hold our knowledge. Why? So we can work with focus, precision, high safety, with pace, with a pace that we control at will, so our company can make not just profit, but increasingly good profit margin, and so we can enjoy ourselves along the way, the visual workplace, a place for humans for humans to make their contribution. It is a system, not just a system, but a system of systems. A systems a, a system of coherency. It is not point solutions. It is a language. A language of information sharing, a language of embedded answers. Not just single devices strung together, just as language is not just words, but meaning. Strung together in a way that meaning is conveyed, relevant, timely information that influences, that shapes, directs, limits, that expresses, and that helps us to do the work that we want to do. It is the logic of our performance. We let the workplace speak. And so that's what this show is about. And I'm really glad you came. I really am thrilled that you came and that we're having this conversation And today, we're going to focus on a single fundamental element of that logic, of the logic of a visual workplace. It's called smart placement. The formula for smart placement is function plus location equals flow, and I'm going to be explaining this during the show so you get it. And as a result, we don't just work where we work, but we own it, we recreate it, we make it function for us. Smart, step, smart placement, a very, very early step. If you are doing 5S, it is often a missing step. I added it sometime in 1991 or 2. I added smart placement because I saw that people were laying down borders, but there was no logic to the borders. They were literally simply putting a tape or paint around what was sitting on the floor. And a huge opportunity was missed. So I want to talk about that. I'm going to be talking about that today. But before I go into that detail, which will take us three or four shows, I don't think more than four, but three or four shows to cover so that you understand it, I have a few tiny announcements. So let's see. I wanted to tell you again that all my books are migrating to Kindle and print-on-demand over the next several months, including my full-color books, visual workplace, visual thinking, and work that makes sense. So they're going to be available to you In the, in the US and Canada on Kindle, but also print on demand, which means that we can lower the price. In the UK and Italy and France and Germany and Estonia. And we're working out links so that we can get our books to you easily in the Far East and also Australia and New Zealand. It's easy, does it? We're working our way through the kind of bureaucracy, the maze, but we're doing it. I've got two really, really great people. Patrick, who's also a designer working on it, and my esteemed editor, Aurelia Navarro. Boy, we're going to get this done. We've got real power behind it now. (laughs) I also wanted to let you know that I'm doing a keynote and also a public seminar on visual thinking in San Diego at the end of February, February 20th through 22nd. I'm going to be keynoting at the Lean Six Sigma World Conference in San Diego. And uh, on that Friday, the 22nd, I'm doing um, a workshop. I'm not doing many, many of these this coming year because I'm, I'm doing a lot, a lot of site conversions and also developing new products. Besides this Kindle thing, we're doing Pokey Oak for the first time in 25 years. Really, really fantastic. Pokey Oak for operators and also for design and process engineers. So it's terrific. And also I'm working on my visual leadership book. So these are important um, contributions that I want to make. And uh, so... The amount of time that I have to do public seminars is somewhat curtailed. I think the one that I do after that is in the U.K. in May, and I think I'm going back to the U.K. in July to do another one. I love to be in England in the summer. I go hiking there. This is such a pleasure. Instead of just being on a plane all the time or being at the airport or being in a hotel at the airport, I go hiking. I go hiking. Oh boy, I'd love to tell you about that. Hiking on the coffin trail in Grasmere. Oh my God. So beautiful. You feel like you've fallen into a fairy tale. Anyway, I also want to thank you for your emails. We got lots of emails on our two shows on Borg, Borg cellular, cellular design. And last week, Borg quality empowerment and standardization. You like them. I'm so glad you like them and you found them useful. And we also got a bunch of emails over the last five or six weeks saying you want more on visuality, more detail, and more insight, and more methodology. And that is the very thing that we're starting today. We're doing a cycle that will unfold over the next several months in which we look at the material that we've been overviewing for the past, what, 18 months, and we dig deeper. I want to go deeper on a number of points Related to, for example, implementing visuality, the what, what is the change we want to have happen, the how, how do we want to put that change in place and make it deepen and grow. That's the sustainability piece and very, very, very important. Remember in my work, a key to that is that we implement through the eye. It's eye-driven. Not the eye that you see through, but the owl eye that is the power within the self. Okay, the, the individual will. Okay, we don't try to homogenize it. We don't try to repress it or forget about it. We try to actually harness it. That's the key to sustainability and to diversity and to incredibly splendid inventions. So we have the what? I'm going to go into more detail on the what, the how, and also the why. Why do we do it? Why is visuality important? How does it fit? What is its relationship to Lean, to Six Sigma, to itself? Okay? So if you've been tuning into the show, you know that visuality has a number of distinct what I call categories of function, types of devices that contain specific organizational impact and a specific organizational voice. We call them the 10 doorways. Visual displays, production control boards, the voice of the supervisor and managers. Metrics, the same group plus plus executives and VPs. Operators also can make their contribution, but the doorway is owned by executives and folks who are in a resource budget role. Pokio, visual guarantees led by the quality function. Machine related visual devices to optimize your machine utilization. The doorway to OEE. Hoshin, visual leadership for executives. And of course, for operators, doorway number one, visual order, visual inventiveness. What I like to call 5S on steroids. Alita Sherman gave me that about 10 years ago. She works for the Colorado MEP, brilliant woman. And um, she had that response when she began to get acquainted with my work. Visual 5S on steroids. <laughs> so I want us to continue our journey down the visuality highway. But this time, noticing more, noticing the landscape, noticing what's going on, understanding more, deepening our learning and deepening our visual thinking. And all on the radio, all through your ears, your ears, your rich imagination, your beautiful hearts, and your sharp intellect, and through your courage to make a contribution and make things better, your determination. And please do not blame me if from time to time I soar into loud and specific praise of workplace visuality. I spout accolades, loud and specific praise. I'm a fan of this. I've been doing it for 30 years. I love the form. I love the impact. I love the implications of empowerment, effectiveness, prosperity, tolerance, all because we share deeply information that must be available to us at the point of use when and as we need it. We embed that. And that takes such pressure off of us. We have that little bit of margin To just relax, to breathe, to become more of ourselves, to increase in our willingness to tolerate, to even forgive, to live and let live. When people can express themselves through visual devices and master their work, they feel good. You step on their toe, they say, I'm sorry. They say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you stepped on my toe. Next time, I'll get it out of your way in time instead of jumping all over you. They're nice and flexible and open. Because their spirits are happy, because they're doing good work, and they know that they command the workplace. Hmm? They can learn their job. They can gain skill, not just operators, not just maintenance staff, but VPs, accountants, nurses, doctors, executives. Let the workplace speak, okay? So I've been rattling on with my accolades, and uh, (laughs) I'm afraid that... I've eaten up the whole first section, but I'm excited to be starting this, the whole first section of the show. I'm excited to be starting this kind of revamping or renewal of our journey into visuality. Cause you're my companions along the way. You're my comrades and we're going down this journey and I'm sharing what you, what I've learned and you're trying it out and it's good. It's good. So I'll be back in a minute, and we'll start right away with smart placement, the first part of this very important step, and I'm going to map it out for you. So get your pencils ready. I'll be back in just a minute.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Welcome back to the second part of our show, The Visual Workplace. And today we're going to start walking through the methodology of 5S, but my 5S. And as part of my 5S, the one that I've been doing for about 30 years, there's something called smart placement. If you were to go through the steps of 5S, S1, S2, S3, it would go sort through, sort out. S2 is scrub the workplace and everything in it. S3 is secure safety. All of that is pretty ordinary, important, and I think we do it in a way that's very effective. And then in preparation for borders, we do S4, which is select locations. I remember when I was developing this many years ago, I had set locations in keeping with the S, set locations. You've done the kind of set things in order, which kind of walks the middle line there and is neither fish nor fowl. It's not exactly smart placement. It's not exactly borders. It sets things in order. And as I was thinking about this, I remember the night I was working this out with pencil and paper. I said I need to separate the two. Before we set the location, we actually set the order, we have to find the order. We have to place things in a way that is logical in terms of the business that's going on in the area. And that evolved into the word smart placement. And I integrated that into my 5S approach. Really, it was robustly there in 1991, and it just got better and better. And I've never really shared this with you in detail. Over these shows, I'm going to be going through the principles and practices. How do you do the mapping? All of this is in my books, But I realize that I'm reaching so many people through the radio show, people who either can't get the book or, if it were available, simply can't afford it. I know how the world works. Things are expensive. And if you don't have the money, then you have to get the learning somehow. So I want to do it through the radio show, which is free. You know, all the podcasts are on iTunes. You download them. You listen. You multiply them. Okay? The only thing I don't want you to do is turn another book into it. I mean, if you're interested in that Get in touch with me and we'll make it easy and legal. Okay. But this is very specific information. I want you to use it. So, smart place is a, uh, sorry, smart placement is a step that I put into my 5S approach. It's been there for now 24, 25 years. Smart placement means the location of things in the workplace matters and matters a lot. In my work, that placement is part of the 5S process. Smart placement is the step that you undertake before you lay down a single border. It, in fact, tells you where the border goes. So instead of just tracing around what is just there by habit, by tradition, by neglect, by some kind of tribal consensus – You logically and exactly, elegantly decide on the location. And we say the location of function. Because when you see a table, we don't want you to see the table. We want you to see what the table is used for. It might be the cutting function. It might be the paperwork function. It might be both of those. But see how the object, the item, the furniture, the machine, the bench functions and then you create a relationship between the functions, that relationship is called flow. So the formula function plus location equals flow means that your flow is determined by where you locate function. The rate of that flow, the complexity of that flow, is determined by the location of function. Because what flows through, what is it that flows? Information flows, people flow, and material flows. If you don't apply smart placement before you lay down your border, and you may call it lines, I call them borders and addresses because, again, I want to talk about the functionality of a line, the functionality of a label. This line borders. That label gives me A location its called an address. It's not just a label. It has function. So if you don't apply smart placement before you lay down that border, you will simply use borders to anchor whatever your old thinking has been up to now. Instead, I invite you to rethink it, to re-engineer it. And even if you think you like the flow right now, to validate that before you lay down the border, you nail it with borders. So in in the course of today, I think we'll get to it by the end, we'll begin, I'll begin to give you the steps of the mapping. There are two maps, and I know you think you will know what they're about when I say them, but I hope you listen and hear the telling difference. It is the what is map, and then followed by the could be map. And I'd like to explain it and i'm going to be explaining it to to you as though you are doing it or as though you are training it so there's a lot to say here i want you to be successful with this if you do these maps because you say oh they're just like spaghetti map you'll be wrong and you won't know it because you'll look it'll look like you're right but you're wrong it's not a spaghetti map it has these maps have an entirely different function so You know, I want you to have a subtle understanding here. I want you to see the difference instead of just uh, mapping it over or um, painting it over. That's called Borg, when you make everything look alike because you think you know. But I want you to discern the difference. One of the great facilities that you can develop is to notice the shift, to notice the difference. Because in that is a telling difference. Those differences are telling. Be scientific. Okay, so skipping the step of determining the best location for function is not just sad, and I don't want to say foolish, but I will say counterproductive. If you don't know about it, that's one thing. But now you're going to know about it. Don't skip the step. And this is an absolutely wonderful application session, more than an exercise, uh, application for operators because they will get to know their area better. It's like when you spend time with your kid, you get to know the kid. Spend some real quality time with your kid or the kid gets sick and you have to really hang out with him, you get to know your kid. You're going to get to know your workplace. So we're going to be talking about this and this in the next few shows, smart placement. And then we'll move on to borders and addresses and customer-driven visuality and on and on and on and on. And by the time we finish that, I would have discovered something new. I will have discovered something new, and I'll tell you about that. So applying the principles and practices of smart placement beginning today is another chance for you and your colleagues, you and your buddies to acquire the habit of thinking and to to sharpen that habit of thinking. Thinking is Cherry Garcia, it is not vanilla. Borg is vanilla, B-O-R-G, Borg quality, Borg placement, that's vanilla. We want Cherry Garcia or we want vanilla with pecans on top and hot chocolate and butterscotch. Yummy, 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 vanilla. So basically, here it is. Don't assume the layout you walk into and walk through every day is a good one. Don't dismiss your layout as a potential cost saver and profit maker just because you're not an engineer. Operators learn smart placement and they re engineer their workplace. Smart placement pushes the ownership of the landscape back onto you. This is especially true for operators because you own. The operational floor, whether or not that floor is hospitals, you are the ones who are using that, or production floor. The floor doesn't belong to the docks. They're not using it every day. They come and visit in the morning at night. They're indispensable, but you're utilizing the landscape. There is something here that you can do to make it better, and you will find it. Okay? So, let's move on going to give you now big learning chunks. Where the things of the workplace are located matters. I've already said that. It matters so much that we're going to spend all these shows on it. But it matters also because when you learn how to vet those locations, how to verify that they're good or not so good, and when you learn how to change them, then you will also learn how you can accelerate the flow of work, but also how you can de how you can slow it at will. You will be in control. This is the logic of smart placement. When we look at that logic's fundamental formula, it is this, function plus location equals flow. Now let's go into that a bit more. All of us know the value this kind of little mantra in the real estate industry that says location, location, location. Location is everything. Location is critical in the workplace too. Not just because you need to know where things are, but because to begin with, those things must be in the right place. And this is something that 5S, traditional 5S doesn't even look at. Questioning and verifying validating that the things are in the right place this is usually left to a whole nother cycle of improvement if it's done at all called lean cellular design or even industrial engineering but we're going to let this be the work of operators and I mean operators value-out associates everywhere in every venue open pit mines banks offices manufacturing hospitals by right place, the things must be in the right place, we don't just mean a designated home location as in a place for everything, everything in its place. While that's important, that comes later. It is secondary secondary to the process I'm describing today. By right, we mean the smart place for an item. The smart place. The right location for it. In relationship to every other item in the work area. We call this conscious and conscientious location of things smart placement. Do you see the difference? When all the items in the workplace are smartly placed in relationship to what? In relationship to each other. The entire landscape of work becomes connected. Connected. Fluid. Letting material information and people flow into it and through it with a minimum of struggle, a minimum of motion. Flow instead. Instead, they have flow. Smart placement makes it possible to generate a flow of work that, as I said before, can accelerate and deaccelerate at will. Whose will? Your will and the will of the customer. This is tact. Okay, it's tact. It's the beat. When smart placement is not applied, the opposite is often true. The objects of the workplace, the tools, the benches, the materials, the shelves, the chairs, the trash cans in in manufacturing now, are physically placed without careful thought and intention. We get a tangle. We get a muddle that just feeds motion instead of supporting a smooth and elegant flow of performance. So... When we come back from the break, we're going to go into a break now in our Smart Placement Show, the first of several Smart Placement Shows. We'll take a little side trip into Cycle Hub, which is right down the street from me here in Portland, Oregon. I'll see you in a minute.
1: Always talking business, talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
0: Hello again. Welcome back. Hi, you're at the Visual Workplace and you're with me, Gwendolyn Galsworth. And we are talking today, we're beginning our conversation about smart placement. I have not gone through this in any detail over our many shows together, but I am starting it now. It'll take us three or four shows. I think you'll find it very interesting. I'm walking through the logic of smart placement, but also its methodology. And right now we're at the part of what is it? Give me an example. And I want to give you an example from Cycle Hub, a motorcycle shop in Portland, Oregon, a motorcycle shop that I went to in like 1994 when I was still living on the East Coast. And I was driving to the airport. I had visited some friends here in Portland. I was driving to the airport. And I saw this, I saw the sign hardly readable saying cycle hub. And I don't know why, but I pulled over. I'm not, I used to have a boyfriend named Harley who drove a Harley, but I was 23 at the time. Since then, I've had no interest. <laughs> I pulled over and I got out. I walked in and the moment I opened the door, I knew exactly why I was there. It was just so lucky in the front of the shop. There were all kinds of cool English motorcycles, BSAs and Triumphs and Nortons, packed in, window to counter. And at the counter stood Mr. and Mrs. John Major, Major with an H, -H M-A-H-J-O-R, the shop owners, and expert motorcyclists and motorcycle repair people, right? But the thing is, when you walked in, you didn't see them, even though they were standing there. Because there was such an insane amount of clutter in front of them, behind them, they looked like they were part of it. It was one of those where is Harpo things. I'm sorry, where is Waldo? Where is Waldo? And then I finally, I saw them. And I said, wow, this place is amazing. Gee, and my book was, my first book on visuality was still three years away. And I said, can I walk around? Do you mind if I take pictures? Because I take my, my camera with me everywhere. I've got 70, 80,000 primary visual solutions in our database. I just have been collecting them for 30 years. And they said, sure, help yourself. And I took pictures of the mayhem, of the chaos. This was so far before any before I'd ever seen. It was simply mayhem. In the front, the shelves were just falling over with stuff coming out of them. And, you know, it was one of those things that if you needed something, Mr. or Mrs. Major would find it. It might take them three minutes, three hours, three days, or three weeks, but it was in there somewhere and they would find it. It was so interesting. And in the back, when you went into the back, there was this narrow, it looked like a a junkyard. And it was like that. But all the extra parts were there and the just-in-case parts were there, piled up. And you would just dive in and, you know, go into the mountain. And what was so interesting was that the whole place was chaos except for one little area. One little area on the wall with a backboard and guess what was on that backboard if you're a motorcyclist or if you do any work in your garage you will know what was on that backboard what was on that backboard was the tools the tools the motorcycle tools the metric wrenches carefully carefully laid out and I thought bingo because I was you know, I was getting the smell of this smart placement, how important it was to identify the location of function. I said, they need that function. It's clear. This is a motorcycle shop and a motorcycle repair shop, and they love motorcycles. They can't spend three minutes, three hours, or three days looking for a tool. They need it to jump into their hands. And there was this little oasis of perfect order up on the board, on the wall. Now, I will say... They didn't have any borders or addresses, so there was no automatic recoil. Things didn't jump back. They didn't even have shadow boards. It wasn't even a shadow board. It was just laid in place. So when they took it off, they'd have to figure out where it went. But they were at the smart placement step. They had figured out the relationship of these tools to each other. Fantastic. So, yes, the location of function matters, and I saw it. You improve the location of that function, and you automatically improve the flow of material information and people in and through the area. And the result is motion takes a nosedive. Struggle begins to evaporate. No matter where you work, medical center, depot, open pit mine office, factory bank, you apply this logic, and you create powerful improvements in the design of your work area. And these pave the way to exceptional visuality and of course then superior performance. The smart placement process begins when you evaluate the current location of things in your area, the current location of function. That means we look at the individual location of each machine, bench, tool, or in a factory now, incoming, outgoing material, Outgoing whip, DIRACs, commodity parts storage, desks, the hospital, the charts, the medicines, the consumables, beds, desks, everything. And we recognize that each item represents a specific function, a particular and specific use or task. And this concept of function is at the heart of smart placement. Only when you recognize the true function of an object can you place it correctly, can you place it smartly in your work area. In understanding an item's true function, you also understand its relationship to the other items, the other functions nearby, and you position those accordingly. You see? You're creating a kind of culture. You're creating a community of function. And that's the central, uh, that's the central question in smart placement. What is the best location of function in your area? So the flow increases. So it is safer, more aligned, less costly in relationship to other functions, other things in the area. All things in the area must function together to support important outcomes, the product, the process, service, whatever your department is responsible for. So don't skip this step. Now, we're not going to get much into mapping today, but I'm getting closer to starting you on the mapping. Each item in your work area is or should be designed to contribute to the outcome your department is responsible for, and it must do so safely and conveniently. If it doesn't, then change the item's location so it does Or get rid of it because it's an intruder. Maybe it doesn't belong there. Get rid of it. This is a different bend on sort through sort out. You're going to do your first gloss and get rid of all of the junk when you do S1. But this is much more sophisticated and you're ready for it. If workplace items are not smartly placed, they're going to trigger the enemy. Motion moving without working. Okay, so function plus location equals flow. Ask yourself, are the visual devices you, no, I don't think, I don't think I want to go there. Okay. I want to say something else. Smart placement is a thinking step. The way we're going to think is through mapping. We're going to do two kinds of mapping. The first kind is we're going to study the current location of function. We're going, to look at our, we're going to build and look at our current layout very consciously and very physically. We're going to do it through post-its, but the outcome will not be a spaghetti map. The outcome will be you understanding the current relationship of items to each other You understanding how the current location of function is keeping you from your work. Only after your thinking is clear on that will you turn to the second map. The second map is called the could be or the dream map. You could call it the ideal state, but it's not really ideal. It's like improved. What can you move? What can you change? that will accelerate the flow, take the struggle out. And I want to give you the methodology of these two mapping techniques. But before I do, I want to say a word to the trainers amongst you. Because I've been getting the scent of something now over the last couple of years. And one of the things that I've noticed about and it's unfortunate, about the improvement function, is that people who train will rely on a methodology to reveal an improvement. But what far too many trainers fail to do, and there'll be a case in point here with smart placement, is they fail to do their homework. Their homework is actually their pre-work. They fail to prepare for training this or that by simply letting the training do all the work. So in smart placement, if you're going to train this before you bring the group in, the day before, the night before, the week before, a good enough time before, you go out to those work areas and you begin to track in your own mind trainers. What is the function of this? What is the function of that? Let me see the current layout. You might even do your own map before people come into the training room to learn this from you for the first time. Because you want to understand what they're up against. You want insight. You want to be able to coach. You're not doing it so you can tell them, but you're doing that so you can steer people into greater areas of insight because because you've done your homework. And there is no case more powerful than this When you're doing smart placement, the importance, trainers, and coaches of doing your homework, of coming in equipped. For example, when you do a what is map in a machine shop, you already know that there's going to be subtle changes but not massive changes because the machine is mastering the environment. You've got a master machine. Everything else is a slave to it. So you can do the loading, the unloading, the placement of material, the incoming, the outgoing whip. You can really improve things. But the machine is going to be ka-chunk, unmovable. And you'll see when we talk about the mapping, we're just getting on the edge of that now. We make a distinction between that which is easily moved by you and me and maybe Marianne. We can do it together. If we have to get the union guys in, great. You know, our union buddies. That which is Easy to move like work in process, maybe a forklift and we get somebody to move it for us, or, or consumables. And that which we cannot move because it's too heavy or it needs to be approved or it is beyond our uh, authority to move. And we give these different colors. And we leave the hard to moves, which is the color and that is yellow the harder moves, alone. So I'm kind of getting into the methodology now, but the last point that I made about you have to go out, trainers and coaches, and figure out what can move and what can't move. Because people don't have carte blanche to just move whatever they want. It's not the real world. You have to live within the rules of what operators are allowed to make convenient for themselves. So I'm kind of, I just jumped into or jumped from concept into methodology. We're there. We can't avoid, we can't avoid it. So we're going to jump into that. I'll try to get the mapping of the first map at least outlined for you. I hope that you do these things, but I'm going to come back to this theme about don't, don't, um, I'll I'll do it after the break. I'll make it much clearer after the break. (laughs) Please come back to our last segment. Thank you. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm at the Visual Workplace with you, and we are in the final segment of our show today where we're beginning our look at the methodology, the sub-methodology in the conversion process for operators, the conversion to visuality, that's called smart placement, where we begin to look at the layout of things, of functions in the area, and we ask ourselves, Is this layout in favor of, is it triggering motion, or is it minimizing motion? Is it increasing struggle? Is it stopping the flow, or is it allowing us to accelerate our flow? And we're going to be using two maps for that. I'm going to just begin, before the end of today's show, telling you about that map. I'm going to try to squeeze in an example. I may be able to do both The map is where the work happens, where the thinking happens. And it happens because people are actually laying down post-its. They are creating their paper map. I am not in favor of using a CAD drawing. I'm in favor of people actually figuring out, are we going to do it landscape? Are we going to do it portrait? Where's the window? Where's the wall? Where's the sink? Where's the table? Where's the bed? How does this thing? And really getting into it through their memory. Because when we pull from our memory, we begin to vitalize our thinking. We begin to inhabit the map. But we'll talk about that particular point in a little while. Why not CAD? So nothing changes except your thinking. In this whole step of smart placement, once you get a map of where you think think things should go, then you put them into place and then you nail the son of a gun with borders. And the borders then reflect the function that you've so carefully vetted and created. Okay? So I'll very quickly walk you through an example, one that I have in the book. And I, I'm going to do this on the radio. And I think you'll get it. So imagine yourself in a, in a, a work area. I would say it's about 40 by 60. And in this work area, we are punching little rubber parts on a blue clicker machine. This is at Green Rubber in Boston, this is an actual little case study. And the blue clicker machine, which if you remember my terminology, is the primary field of value, the primary value field, all by itself can be accessed from the right, the left, the front, the back, no interruption. No obstruction to the flow. But we can't use the machine without rubber. So we're now going to add to the value field rubber that supports the machine because it punches out little blue feet, and little blue appliance rubber pieces. And we need a little red hand truck to help us move the rubber to the machine. And we need some die shelves. They're about seven feet high, three deep holding all these tiny, 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 tiny dies, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, and a little yellow ladder so we can reach to the top shelf. And we also have a very long table that runs parallel to the shelves but perpendicular to the machine, so we have a kind of T-shape where we cut the rubber into um, squares to feed into the blue clicker machine. And there's a little bench I'm sorry, a little desk with a, uh, a chair to do our paperwork. It's a paperwork function. And what we do in this first map is simply capture that in Post-its. If we can't move it like the machine or those tall shelves, it's going to be yellow. If it's a consumable like the rubber, it's going to be, ah, I should say, if it's, a, a, if it's material like the rubber, it's going to be, Pink, it's your whip. If we can easily move things like the desk and the chair, it's going to be blue. And that long table, if we can get Harry over here, the four of us can move it. It's about 10 feet, 12 feet long. Hmm? So we've got color post its, and we map this out. And when we map it out, after we have the layout of the function, then we begin to trace within a bounded period of time, I'll tell you what that means in a minute, what the motion is. And the map that I'm looking at at Green Rubber shows us three hours of motion. It's a little red line that goes through, the, go, touches these various functions over a projected three hours. Typically, this is what happens within three hours. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in red. And you know what? When we finish with all that back and forth, three hours worth, we see spaghetti. But we don't call it a spaghetti map because its purpose isn't just to show us complexity. Its purpose is to show us how function, the location of function, triggers complexity. So we go in with a more elegant mindset. We're looking for the trigger, the triggers of complexity. And when we do smart placement, that trigger is always the physical object. We are tracing, by the way, I want you to be, I want to clarify this. We are tracing the material. When we trace the material, we are following an approximate information trail. And we are following pretty closely a people trail. And that's what the first map does. It reveals to us. And when teams do this, and I'll talk about this more next week, because you need to really value the importance of peop- of teams doing this work and you're not doing it on CAD. That means you don't have it pre-drawn out, the layouts there, and they just paste their, their um, post-its on top of what's already a pattern you don't want that you want people to suss it out and they don't have to be proportional some people in the group will be proportional it'll make them crazy when something is just off a little bit so let me let me let me save that for the next time we'll do a recap but i'm very very serious in saying if you're doing 5s and you don't have a grab it's probably because you haven't spent time in helping people own the real estate, the real estate before they border it, before they put the lines down. Lines just feels like a throwaway. But when you do smart placement, when you put down the borders, which is already a functional term, you are all also capturing the function of of the layout. This happens to be a contribution that I make to 5s, and I am amazed at the amount of ownership. Also resistance to begin with, but within an hour that disappears. I'll talk to you about that next week. I'll tell you about the guys who refused to pick up the scissors. (laughs) Hmm? Because it's interesting. It's interesting. We become scientists of our own work. Thank you very, very much for joining us today and for visiting with me and for listening to our work on workplace visuality. And hopefully this is helping you on your own journey. I so look forward to the next time. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. You are at The Visual Workplace, and I am signing off. (laughs) Thank you.
1: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.